Hello once again and welcome to the Daily in Christ podcast. And again, it's my great honor and privilege to be able to join you. My name is Mark Van Oos and uh, this is uh, more on our series, Hebrews, the Glory of the New Covenant. You know, it doesn't matter how many times I read the book of Hebrews, uh, especially when I study it and teach it, God just continues to unfold greater dimensions of the heart of himself, his heart of love that is given to us so freely through Jesus Christ. And really, the Lord Jesus himself is the center of the new covenant. That's what uh, Hebrews chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 have all been about him. And then it continues through Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 9 and 10. It is all about him. And the giving of that son. Many Christians have an understanding of the new covenant uh, somewhat uh, in the area of forgiveness of sins. I say somewhat because even that is uh, rather a mixture and and unfortunately it deprives Christians of their enjoyment of the full blessing. And we'll get into that uh, later on in another podcast. But right now we are returning to Hebrews chapter 8. We are spending a um, uh, unusually large amount of time around Hebrews chapter 8. And the reason is very simple, because Hebrews chapter 8 gets into the new covenant specifically. And in uh, verses 10 through 13, we read this new covenant specific. And we're returning to this passage once again to focus in on one of the elements of the new covenant. Let's take a moment right now and let's pray. Father, We praise you and we give you honor and glory for your goodness, Lord. Your infinite goodness that motivates all of the good that you do, including this great salvation, the giving of your own son, this wonderful new covenant, this new life that we have because of him and him being alive inside of us. Oh God, This really does result in your glory being magnified. The grace of God, your grace, O Lord, is so rich and so wonderful. And thank you, Lord, for your new creation work. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, you made us alive by the Spirit. We were born again. The old has passed away. The new has come. We are new creations. We are your sons and daughters. And Father, I thank you for your work of the new creation to give us a new heart. And that has happened already. We have that 100% new good heart because of you. And Father, thank you that you have given us a new spirit as well. And Father, as we go into this time of teaching, I pray that you will just, through the word, show us the wonderful reality of the new spirit. Father, by the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would grant understanding, insight, illumination, that we may be able to see in a capacity and way that far exceeds our human ability. For your name and your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, here it is. 
the gracious words of God in the new covenant, Hebrews chapter 8, beginning in verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. In that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And again, speaking there of first, that refers to the covenant of law. That was reading from Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 through 13. That is a quotation out of the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 31. Actually, Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning in verse 31, so it's easy to remember. Now, isn't that remarkable? The same words are repeated three times throughout the Bible. First of all, in Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31. Uh, then here where we are right now in Hebrews chapter 8 and over in Hebrews chapter 10. Obviously, something big and important to God. And we also pointed out last time in our study that there are other expressions within the um, Old Testament that speak about the new covenant promise, and uh, that is powerful. One of the key things that uh, what we focused on, actually the key thing that we focused on last time, was the new heart where it says in verse uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And we pointed out that that is something that God has done. This is an entirely internal principle, God working from the inside out and from a new heart. And that new heart was foretold in the Old Testament, several verses, but particularly I want to just bring by way of remembrance Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, verses 26 and 27, where God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. We talked about truths, important truths about the new heart that we have as a born-again believer. Unfortunately, so much confusion uh, exists in the church today about the Christian's new heart, uh, and we hear born-again Christians saying things like, my heart is such a mess and I have an evil heart, but God did not give us uh, in the new heart with the new creation at the new birth. He did not give us a wicked heart. He did not give us a heart that is a mixture. It is a completely new heart. And we talked briefly, you know, why do we struggle? Well, the problem is not a heart problem. The problem is a problem with the mind and the necessity of mind renewal. And it's important in the process of mind renewal to get our minds set upon truths about what God has already done in the new creation. We do not have a wicked heart. We have a new heart. Now we want to get into the aspect of the new spirit. 
This is powerful. In Ezekiel 36, verse 27, God says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. This is really the most important part of the new covenant, God's spirit inside of us. You know, in the before the cross and before the ascension of Jesus, the Holy Spirit wasn't inside of a person. The Holy Spirit was outside, operating from the outside in. But when Jesus ascended, remember, the Holy Spirit descended and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of every single believer. And remember that the Holy Spirit is God himself. Think about that for a minute. God in you. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Now think about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was walking uh, Palestine 2,000 years ago. He was doing so much good. He was righteous. He was holy. He obeyed the Father from the heart. All of these wonderful things that Jesus did. He did miracles. He raised the dead. Well, that same Jesus through the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Again, as Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And verse 28 says, we proclaim him. What's the problem with a lot of Christian teaching today is it's focused on the Christian and not Christ. It's about what we do for God rather than what God does through us, in us, for his glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 3.16, Galatians 2.20, I love this verse. It's my life verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Wow, man, I could preach many messages just on that alone. But do you see what's happened? The old me that was a mess, the old sinner me, the old sinner you died. How did the old sinner me, the old sinner you die? With Christ. How did Christ die? He was crucified. We, No one will debate the fact that Jesus died and he died by crucifixion. Well, do you know that the old you, the old man died? Another wrong teaching in the church is somehow the old man is around. That's ridiculous. It contradicts what the Bible says, especially in Romans chapter 6. I have been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Do you know how radical that is? Do you know how life transforming that truth is? You know, it really affects your life. It changes your outcome and the whole conduct of your walk when you realize that the omnipotent God, God Almighty, Christ is alive inside of me. God's answer for me is not more strength. God's answer for me is not more righteousness. God's answer for me is Jesus. 
alive inside of me. First John chapter four, verse four says this, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You know, this is the great key to the Christian life. I just can't say it enough. Christ in us is greater, greater than our flesh, greater than temptation, greater than sin, greater than the world, greater than Satan. That's because the almighty, omnipotent, infinite God is greater than all. And God's solution for you and for me is himself living in you, Christian. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, the Holy Christ in you, the hope of glory. This idea of the Spirit of God indwelling inside of us is radical. And the idea of spirit in the Bible uh, is related to the concept of wind or air. Do you remember when God was creating Adam? You know, he formed him of the dust of the earth, and then God breathed into Adam, and he became a living being. The spirit is that breath of God, the life of God. When we were born the first time, born of Adam, we were born of a natural thing. And we were born in sin because our father and their father and their father, all the way back to Adam, were born sinners because of the fall of Adam. When you're born again, God through the Holy Spirit indwells inside of you and the the life of God is what is manifested inside of you. Every bit as powerful as the life of God that was manifested at the tomb of Lazarus who had been dead for four days and Jesus commanded him and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth alive. Do you know that this is the same spirit that um, raised Jesus Christ from the dead? This spirit indwelling us. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? It was the spirit of God who was the power of God who raised Jesus Christ to life according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's in Ephesians chapter one, beginning in verse 19. That same spirit that took the lifeless corpse of Jesus Christ and and brought him back alive, raised him, and not only raised him from the dead, but raised him in ascension above all principality and power, seated at the right hand of God the Father. That is the same spirit who is alive inside of us. And that is 
core and key to the new covenant promise of God. God gives us a new heart and he gives us a new spirit and the result is resurrection life. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 10, he says this, that I may know him, speaking of Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, the operation of the resurrection life of Jesus uh, happens in kind of two phases. One is well, I would say three parts. One is that initial salvation when we're born again. We're raised in new creation with Christ. When Christ raised from the dead, we raise together with him in our union with Christ. The second part is the experience of resurrection life in everyday living. And the third part is the future resurrection of the body and uh, being given a new body. Listen to this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. The idea of, well, let me read it to you. First, Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive by the Spirit. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6, For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. There is this living that happens by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. When people talk about the Christian life, I'm afraid too, too often today uh, we tend to think that the Christian life is a lifestyle. Or we'll hear the, the term a worldview. And, and don't get me wrong, uh, Christianity, real Christianity, does affect our lifestyle. It does affect our worldview, but we don't live by the lifestyle. The life, the living, is not by a new um, worldview. It is by God himself indwelling the believer. That is so important to understand. We spend so much wasted time and wasted effort doing things in the flesh rather than operating by the Spirit. Listen to this in Romans chapter 8, and, and really the first uh, 14 or 15 verses are so much in this theme of of the life in the spirit. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Listen to this, verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's back in the law of sin and death is brought out in the second half of Romans chapter seven, you know, the struggling with sin verses. But notice, and people don't, you know, they talk about the struggle verses in Romans seven, but they ignore these incredible, triumphant, victorious verses in Romans chapter eight, where it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Did you get that? See, God's solution to our problem and our dilemma is the law of the spirit of life. 
And that spirit of life is inside of us and has made us free from the bondage of law, the bondage of sin, the bondage of death. Verse 3, Romans chapter 8, verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And over and over again in Romans chapter 8, it keeps talking about the uh, not walking by the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is our humanity without God. It is uh, human strength, human understanding, human perception, human ability, and how far does human perception, uh, thinking, and strength and ability get us? Not very far at all. The flesh is very, very weak. That's a theme that's repeated all throughout the Bible. It says, do not live by the flesh, but live by the Spirit. And where is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is inside of you, believer, and what an, an infinite difference the Spirit inside of us makes. Con- continuing there in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Jesus himself lived by the Spirit. He is the one, he was able to do what he did by means of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Jesus, the Son of Man, According to his humanity, how did he ever do it? He offered himself up. He did all that suffering, all that pain, all of the bleeding, taking on the sin, all of our sin, taking all of the disease, all that was wrong upon himself. How did he ever do it? Right there in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, it tells us that Jesus, through the eternal spirit, offered himself. That word through is the Greek word dia, which is the means or the channel by which something is done. Jesus through the eternal spirit. That's the secret that Jesus had when he walked this earth, when he did what he did as the perfect human being. He did it by means of the eternal spirit. And God the Father means for other human beings to experience the same thing, namely his own children, those who have been born again through the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have a new heart and a new spirit. Again, Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. You know, it's very interesting that in the very next chapter of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37 is 
the vision of the dry bones coming to life. You know, the Spirit of God, this is in Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 1, brought uh, the prophet Ezekiel into a valley, and it was full of bones, dead bones. And then the Lord called Ezekiel to prophesy. And the question was, can these dry, and it says that these bones were very dry. I mean, so this this is people who had been dead quite a long time. And he said, son of man, can these bones live? And he said, oh, Lord God, you know. And he told him to prophesy to these bones. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And the word was spoken about uh, sinews and flesh being brought upon them, and he prophesied as he was commanded, and suddenly there was the rattling and the noise. The bones came together, joined together, and then sinews and then flesh, and what he saw watch this. Verse 9, he says, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy. Remember what I said that uh, spirit and breath are linked together? This is obviously the breath, the spirit of God. Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. You know, that is a type and a shadow of the that which would come in the new creation, in the church, people who had been dead. It says over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, you who had been dead in trespasses and sins, he has made alive. The Spirit of God can take that which is dead, breathe life, and bring a new people forward, a new you. And if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have believed on him, you have trusted in the gospel, placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have experienced the miracle of the new birth and salvation, then you are a new creation. And every bit as that valley of dry bones experienced uh, coming together and then the breath made them alive, all the much more so is the reality and the totality of Christ inside of you, the Spirit inside of you. And that's the wonderful New Covenant promise fulfilled through the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God, remember it was the Spirit of God who came upon the Virgin Mary and there was the conception of Jesus. Jesus, the man was conceived through the Holy Spirit. In like fashion, the believer has the Spirit of God who has brought life, new life to us. We are not dead people who have dead, stone-cold hearts. We are people who are truly alive, experiencing resurrection life and the Spirit of God alive inside of us. God says, I will give you a new spirit. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to live a life that honors God, that pleases God. And again, let me say what I said toward the end of the last episode 
of this series, many people say, well, then why am I struggling? Why am I having difficulty? The problem is the mind. And the problem is, as we said a little bit earlier in this podcast, of living by the flesh rather than living by the spirit. We live by the flesh in our own fleshly thinking, human understanding, rather than understanding that is informed by the word of God. And when you Uh, live with an understanding that is informed by the word of God. We're living by truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Let me ask you, if you think that you're a dirty, old, rotten sinner with a stone cold, wicked, deceitful heart, do you really think you'll live a life that's honoring to God? No. But if you understand who you really are, believer, Christian, And I'm only speaking to those who have been born again by the grace of God uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And anybody can receive that gift, by the way, through faith in Christ. But if you've been born again, Christian, you are a new creation. Christian, you have a 100% new heart that has a 100% desire to please God. You have a new spirit, a new life, and that is the life of God himself through the person of the Holy Spirit invigorating, bringing you to life into a supernatural realm of living. It's the life of God alive inside of you. And as we orient our thinking toward the truth and the reality, we begin to stop trusting in ourselves, living by the flesh, and we start trusting in God who is already inside of us, who has omnipotent, who is unlimited ability, unlimited righteousness, unlimited holiness. This is the secret of the Christian life. And let me end this particular podcast episode, Colossians chapter 1 at uh, verse 26. Now, the apostle Paul, Paul the apostle is saying that God has made him a minister with a stewardship to share a wonderful mystery that is no longer a mystery. Verse 26, it says this, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Now, mystery in the word of God is not a whodunit like we see on TV, but rather mystery is something that is veiled, is not seen, is not known. But then there is the revealing of the mystery, and it's like an uncovering. So it says here in verse 26, now has been revealed to his saints. What is this incredible mystery that's been hidden from ages and from generations, now revealed to his saints? That's you, brother, sister in Christ. Verse 26, to them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me say it again, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God says in his new covenant promise, I will give you a new spirit. I will put my spirit in you. Yes, friend, indeed, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I labor, he says, striving according to his working, which works in me 
mightily. Friends, this is indeed the secret of the Christian life, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for such love, for such reality, for such life, Christ alive inside of us. Father, we have now seen your gracious words, but Lord, we refuse to rely upon our puny human understanding. Lord, we thank you for the very Holy Spirit that inspired these words of the Bible that we treasure is the same Spirit that can bring us revelation, illumination, and understanding far beyond our human ability to comprehend and see. Father, I pray that you will do it, that you will reveal to us the reality and totality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.